There's a bit of a reckoning happening on the PGA Tour, and it has everything to do with Bryson DeChambeau. Since we came on the air, he's probably gained a pound, added another mile per hour to his ball speed. The 26-year-old is known for many things in golf, but right now, he's known as golf's version of the Hulk. Minus all the anger. You know, we're seeing numbers that we've never really seen on the PGA Tour consistently, but Bryson DeChambeau is just on this little journey. Bryson is big. I put my hands on his shoulders last week just because he's, you know, he looks like a different person. He intends to get bigger. Uh, I think he said he gained two shirt sizes. We break down everything that means for him, the tour, and the game of golf right here on the Drop Zone. Alrighty, folks, this is Sean Zock. It is the end of June. We've had the PGA Tour back for three weeks now, and Bryson DeChambeau has been going about his business since the return of golf with three straight top 10 finishes. He was doing exactly that prior to the coronavirus shutdown with three straight top five finishes. So Bryson's been hot. But in the scope of Bryson's career, this is all too recent. So if you will tag along with me, I'm going to remind you of everything that Bryson is and has been as a golfer. Remember, this is the man with single-length golf clubs, the guy who believes in one swing on one plane of action, and as much as some people want to point out that there are flaws in his methodology or his various scientific references, he sees golf with an extra dimension that most people just don't. Uh, well, this is derived in golf. It's spin loft, and it's relative coefficients of friction, kinetic friction, and static coefficient of friction is essentially the amount of resistance, it's, it's Newton's third law, it's the amount of resistance in motion between two objects. And uh, I was willing to try it and take a leap of faith on that and we found that it actually did work and we just kept improving it over time. On a sunny day, he's out there spraying water on his club face and the golf ball so that he could simulate what might happen during different conditions. Think about his launch monitor. It incorporates hourly updates on humidity and barometric pressure. You don't really see a lot of people doing that. But if his eight iron is going to fly two yards shorter in Connecticut last week than it will do in Detroit this week, he wants to know exactly why. To me, there, there has to be a threshold or, or a peak to speed and distance as far as at some point it becomes kind of counterproductive. Um, and it seems like maybe that 190 range is, is maybe where it starts to tip as far as the faster you're swinging, that little bit off, your dispersion becomes greater. Um, so figuring out where is that peak, um, and I think that's kind of what Bryson's exploring. Now think about what Kevin Nas said last year. Nas said that Bryson uses a stimp meter from off the green. Now a stimp meter, you use that to measure green speeds. Bryson is using it on the fairways that run up to greens, on the fringes that are around the greens. He needs to get a number in his head as to what putts will do from the fringe or the fairway. That's something that nobody does. And people that love that badness, they really love it. I'm one of those people. But people that hate it, oh my gosh, do they hate it. They see Bryson hit a bad shot and then he blames some outside condition. They really, really hate it. But love him or hate him, all of this is to say that Bryson DeChambeau is a chaser. He loves the chase. The chase for perfection, the chase for zero mistakes, the chase for 18 birdies, no bogeys. He's after it. Now, recently, that chase has meant getting large, really big, way bigger than any of us imagined when he first started talking about it last year. And that's when this whole thing started. October of last year, nine months ago, DeChambeau said to the world, quote, 
I'm going to come back next year and look like a different person. You're going to see some pretty big changes in my body, which is going to be a good thing. I'm going to be hitting it a lot further. Over the course of 2019, DeChambeau gained 25 pounds. Casually, 25 pounds. He went and spent the fall, hunkered down in the Bahamas, working out like a fiend, one and a half times a day, he would say. That's exactly where my co-host Dylan DeChere caught up with him in December. Now, two months removed from that quote. He was at the Hero World Challenge, and pay close attention to what Bryson said to Dylan. This is seven months ago. It's pretty clear that he was chasing after something already then. Workouts. What have you been doing? I've been seeing see you on Instagram so, and stuff. Yeah, what, I mean, it's what's that's the nothing. main of your. That's literally nothing. You see, that's. I figure that's kind of fun stuff no, to it's throw just, up there. It's just little small stuff that I'm do, I've done so much in the background. I've worked out pretty much on average one and a half times a day for at least an hour hour each time I go, each session I go. Yeah. What's your focus? Core. So a lot of core. Core. Uh, uh, so I had bad back issues. Yeah. And um, I was able to work really, really hard to uh, fix it and come back from working out mm -hmm. in the proper way. And I'm making sure that I can function through the full range of motion. I work with Greg Roscoff on yep. this in Denver, and he's he's making sure that I can function through the full range of motion, uh, being able to tolerate any amount of force uh, that's going into each and every position. So I go into these super extreme positions. I'll go rotation, flexion, mm -hmm. and tolerate everything. I'll train each and every aspect of it to make sure that everything's working good. And when something gives out or something's not working, I will uh, train that to tolerate a higher level of force until I flush, essentially flush it out of the system. And now that, when you look back on it, is a pretty telling piece of content. In December, after Bryson DeChambeau had gained a ton of weight, a ton of muscle, he was looking to gain even more. During the coronavirus, Bryson continued bulking up. He used it as an asset. All that time off, he worked out twice a day. He was entertaining fans with these live streams on Twitch of how hard and how far he could hit the golf ball. I gotta get to that 205, come on. You guys need to push me. Need to push me. Oh, that was really good. Please be 205. Oh, it's only 201, gosh dang it. What's wild is in those videos, Bryson takes on his hulkiest nature. He's pacing back and forth. His arms are out flexed. He's so bulked up in the moment. There's Drake blasting in the background. The man is trying to break golf. Shambo's tee shot in the air a long time, right down the center. He's just driving it so well. That was his fairway finder, just 187 mile an hour. 192 mile an hour ball speed. That is absolutely absurd. <laughs> He's trying to break the mold of golf and what it looks like. He's broken what he looks like. Bryson now, he says, in total, he has added about 40 pounds to his golfing frame. Four, zero. He said that he consumed between five and six protein shakes a day during the shutdown. And now he's trying to use all that mass to win him a bunch of golf tournaments to try and perfect this game. And honestly, the results have been really good thus far. So with that, enough of my explanation of Bryson. It's time to bring in our resident Bryson DeChambeau expert. That is Luke Curtinine. He's our instruction editor at Golf Magazine and Golf.com. Luke spent the last weekend tracking DeChambeau all over the Travelers Championship. Luke, how were things for you in Connecticut? 
all things considered, they were good. It's definitely a weird vibe out there with everything going on. But, you know, I was happy to be back out there on the road. It's, it's something special about hearing a PGA Tour player, especially one who's going after distance as much as someone like Bryson or Rory or DJ. The crack of thunder that, accomp- that accompanies that ball coming off the club face is something that I'll never get tired of hearing. It's something I definitely found myself missing when uh, I was locked away in quarantine. <laughs> I get it. All right, so in terms of Bryson DeChambeau, what did you set out to see? What was your mission? What did you want to learn from him in Connecticut? I really wanted to just get a first-hand look of Bryson. I've been uh, tracking, I've just been sort of fascinated by the guy. Uh, From the second he came out on tour, I covered his first event when he was a professional. I was at USA Today at the time, down at the Heritage. And he's sort of gone through these ups and downs. People were fascinated by him and then people thought he was a bit much and his stock sort of hit a weird low towards the end of last year. Then he kind of decided he was going to bulk up and get really strong because he thought that this was... Well, he admitted two things, actually. He said, A, he was sort of feeling like he was stagnating uh, his game a little bit, that he was almost like a little bored with his game. He needed to mix things up. And B, because he thought this is... Golf. This is how you crack the code in golf. And I think that one thing that people tend to gloss over with Bryson is that when he sets his mind to something, when he looks at a problem, he's extremely binary in the way he solves that problem. He doesn't care what it looks like. He doesn't care what people think. He doesn't care about any of this extraneous stuff that we think about all the time. He thinks about solving the problem and he almost always does. That's what his track record suggests. And so when he sets out to take a look at a problem like distance in golf, how do I get more of it? He solves the problem. He comes back 40 pounds heavier, swinging out of his shoes. His swing is different. So I just basically wanted to see that in person. I wanted to see what it looks like in the flesh. All right, let's pause from Luke for one second for a message about Roman. Anyone who has dealt with erectile dysfunction knows how awkward it can be to talk about it in person. Luckily, there's a simple, convenient solution to get the treatment you need without ever leaving the couch. And honestly... That last little clause is the important one for me. It's great to not have to go out, not have to leave the couch chasing around doctor's appointments on phone calls and all types of clinics. Do it all from your home. That is, honestly, it's a modern world we live in. Roman making it easy on you. So if you're struggling with really any health issues or if you're struggling with ED, stay home. Go to GetRoman.com DZ for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash DZ for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. DZ. That's for Drop Zone. Back to the Drop Zone. How close did you get to seeing it? So I got to see uh, him play uh, on the course, obviously. I had a quick chat with him. I uh, I saw him on the driving range. I got an up-close look at his 200-mile-an-hour ball speed when he was... So he does these speed training sessions, basically, where he's just going to try to go faster and faster and faster, and all form goes out the window. So I was there with his coach, Chris Como, <laughs> and his and and Bryson as he was doing one of these. His goal for the day was getting to two hundred five, and it was amazing. Sean, like John Rahm, was standing over watching him, just a mouth agape. Uh, Justin Thomas was on the other side of him, just like you know looking asking questions about i mean this guy is the talk among pga tour players and 
to see him just go harder and harder and harder at it. And he eventually got over 200 miles an hour. I tweeted out a picture of it and it was just, it, it was pretty amazing. Not just the velocity with which the ball was going, but frankly, it's also not curving that much. Um, it's it- Okay, so that, that was kind of one of my questions is like, that 200 mile per hour threshold is one that he continues to mention. But like when he reaches that, is the ball spraying? You said that all form kind of goes out of the out of the window, but like, what does it look like? Are is it successful? Yeah. So his basically the only thing his only thing that he won't change is this. Um, he's sort of very concerned with end range of motion stuff. So basically, he wants to put his arms specifically into a place where they can't rotate anymore. That's why when you look at him set up, he's got like a really straight arm and it's kind of aligned okay. with a club head. As long as he does that, he's good. Um, and so what that allows him to do is it stops the club face rotating a lot, basically, because his arm's kind of locked in a position that it's always going to be in. Um, so he doesn't have a swing like Bubba Watson, which there's a lot of yeah. release there, you know, a lot of wrists in that move. And that's why, to make it work, he was hitting 40-yard high hooks and 50-yard high cuts. Bryson, you know, it was drawing... 15 yards but when you're hitting a shot that's carrying 360 something yards at 200 mile an hour ball (laughs) speed it's remarkable how straight it is and that's actually something that justin thomas had asked him about on the range he said i I mean i just i'm surprised it's not curving more honestly i think was his exact quote and that to me is what makes me think that this may be a real sort of lasting positive for bryson that it's very much in control Okay, nice. So, I mean, I think one of the things that's most underappreciated about this, and you tease it a little bit, is that his swing is different now. You know, 2020 Bryson's swing is different than the 2019 Bryson's swing. So can you kind of break down what is different about his action right now? Yeah, so one of our top 100 teachers and your man crush, Sean, Chris Como, a fantastic guy and a great golf coach, has um, been brought in as a swing consultant. And so he's got this team around him. So just wanted to give him a shout out. And basically, he's been consciously trying to introduce more movement, more momentum into his golf swing. So um, if you look at his swing from, say, when he first got out on tour, it was very stationary, right? Like he had a very narrow stance. His body was pretty up and down. And he was focusing on very much keeping that sort of fixture of his body and just turning within it. His arms would do the same. He wasn't going out hard. It was very structured. Whereas you look at him now, he's got more upper body tilt at setup. He's got a wider stance. Uh, you see him when he's really going at it. He's sort of grabbing and regripping, and he kind of presses into the ground. And then you can it's see intense. Him. it's intense. And he starts breathing heavy. Um, and one thing he does is he pushes into the ground with his left foot and starts. And that gives him a kind of a counter push in the opposite direction because he's trying to move his mass, his body, away from the target to load up more. Because, you know, he's loading it back and then he wants to load it through. This is stuff he didn't do before. Um, You know, we can see it in other players' golf swings, but Bryson was very unconcerned with it up until he started uh, gaining distance. And that's been the big thing. And so you're pretty close with Chris Como, Bryson's instructor. Has he talked to you much about, like, what, their goal in mind is like is there a goal or is it just kind of incremental gains in distance and in short success stories yeah so i asked actually both chris and bryson um this earlier in the week and 
I was like, is there a goal? Is there like an end goal for this? Like the, you know, we've reached the Mecca and they said, no, no, we're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep getting wow. faster and faster um, until it becomes too much of a physical toll was were Bryson's exact words there. So if he starts hurting, he's stopping. I reckon we're like pretty much at the ceiling. He, his two goals are that he wants to get to kind of like two or five ball speed um, 205 mile an hour ball speed. So right now when he really cranks it, he can kind of touch it, but he wants to try to solidify that. And then he wants to reach 195 miles an hour ball speed in competition. He hasn't hit it yet this season. He's gotten to sort of low 190s, but obviously when you've got out of bounds right and trees left and tournament, you're just uh, naturally not going to swing as hard. You know, you're going to be a little more control, but he wants to get that up to 195. And I reckon that uh, he'll probably hit those two targets, and, and I bet he'll, he'll start tailing top after that. All right, let's pause from Luke one final time for a message from DraftKings. Think about Bryson DeChambeau, folks. He's been a great asset to anyone playing DraftKings right now. The guy was a machine before the shutdown, and he's picked up right where he left off. So think about Bryson this week at the Rocket Mortgage in Detroit because we have another full weekend of golf ahead of us. And even though the trophy is reserved for the winner, the big cash prizes don't have to be just for the winner on the PGA Tour. You and I can get involved. So to add to the excitement, DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is putting you and me in the center of the action with a free shot at over $1 million in total prizes with your first deposit. So what do you need to do, Sean? I'm so glad you asked. Just download the DraftKings app right now. Use code DZ during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting us in the action. A free shot, again, at over $1 million in total prizes. That's code DZ, and you can get a free shot at over $1 million in total prizes only at DraftKings. That's a minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And now, back to Luke Curtinine. Now, I don't think Bryson really needs like the approval of his PGA Tour peers, but like he played the first two rounds this past week with Phil Mickelson and you could see Phil on camera saying that's nasty as in like that's some nasty distance and they're all kind of amazed at it. Brooks Kepka is impressed by it. Rory McIlroy is amazed at it. Do you think Bryson feeds off of the relative like amazement from his peers that he might be doing something that nobody expected and, and he's succeeding in it? Um, yeah, I do. I think Bryson, I think, you know, people get motivated by intangible things all the time. Um, I always think about Rory in this instance where yeah. I think Rory's the kind of guy who kind of needs to go mano y mano. I think that's <laughs> when he plays his best golf. When people aren't sure that Rory McIlroy's the best um, or, you know, when Patrick Reed is staring at him at the mm -hmm. Ryder Cup, I think that's when we see Rory kind of puff up a little bit um i think bryson is similar in that way where he it's i don't think it's necessarily a top golf thing but he wants to be clear or he wants it clear that he's the smarter of the guys here that he's going to work harder than you that he's more competitive than you that he's smarter than you and that he's going to do things that you didn't think of and are maybe not willing to do i i my from my from my seat in the house i think that is a motivating factor for him and i think it's a good one frankly because i think that it's something that keeps him 
energized and learning and pushing himself. Now, Bryson has gone on the record and, and said that he's not changing his game for any particular golf course. You know, some people will change their game so that they can compete uh, with a draw, a right to left ball flight at Augusta National. But Bryson is trying to, you know, he's trying to conquer golf at large. It doesn't matter what course he's playing. And basically on the PGA Tour, the bottom line is, in order to conquer golf, you've got to hit the ball a long way and you need to carry it further and hit, you know, carry distance north of 300 yards most of the time to have sustained success. So uh, I guess to explain this one last time for people, uh, can you explain the 17th hole at TPC River Highlands and why that was a talking point with Bryson this week? Yeah, so it was during the practice round. I was fo I was following him along then and it's a Dogleg right, four hundred and something yard par four. Water all right. It's similar to the. It's similar to that Bay Hill par five. It sort of horseshoes around the water. That's. It's a sort of a, a similar structure to that hole. Um, and Bryson thought it'd be fun, basically, to just try to hit driver. It was like a fun research project. Um, and he hit like four or five golf balls, and he cleared. Uh, flew at like 360 yards um, at one point, really nutted it, and it just carried the entire water, it finished on dry land, didn't hit the green, but left himself a really dicey pitch. And uh, he has been very, he, he said, I'm not going to do this in competition simply because the second shot will be too hard. You know, and and often the wind is usually gusting in an unfavorable direction. But the fact that he was able and frankly, it's in play, right? If the winds, if the wind is is shaping in a good direction for him that day, he could feasibly hit something 360 up and around the green, uh, which is <laughs> astonishing to think about. And uh, it, <laughs> when, yeah. when you look at that golf hole, and uh, it's pretty clear that there is an inherent advantage to just hitting it further, carrying the ball further. It's not exactly unique on the PGA Tour, like. There are a number of golf holes. We saw Dustin Johnson do it in a playoff event a couple of years ago against Jordan Spieth where you can take a different line off the tee because you can hit the ball further in the air. And so I guess when you think about that, if you hit the ball 15 yards further in the air than most of the rest of the field and you create those tiny advantages, like there is 100% a method to the madness, right? Like Bryson is probably chasing the right thing. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think that when it comes to Bryson, that he is going to change golf in, in some way. Um, I think, basically, I see it panning out in three ways. Uh, Sean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, dude. Like, the first way is that Bryson bulks up, gains a bunch of speed, gets himself injured, is never quite the same, <laughs> and he's a cautionary tale, right? That's, that's one potential way, when that's something that you hear going on a, a lot about on social media. Another way is that he bulks up, gains a bunch of speed, dominates for a while, and everybody else is like, damn, this is the template. I'm gonna bulk up. <laughs> and then I think the third way is that Bryson bulks up, starts dominating, other guys realize it, start bulking up, and it becomes like a home run contest for a bit. And then the tour says, <laughs> This is, we can't have guys, yeah. we can't have guys trying to aim for the green on 420 yard par four. It's like, this becomes a joke and you see the pendulum and 
and let me back up for a second and say that golf has a history of doing this. It has a history of tiger-proofing golf courses, of changing layouts to make sure one player doesn't become too dominant. Their hand needs to be forced, usually, but they will do it eventually. And I think that if we get into a situation where Bryson leads this charge of guys just balking up and going full whole ham on drivers all the time, We'll see the rough start getting longer on the PGA Tour and the green start getting firmer and trees popping up in weird places. And I think that, I just don't think that how it was with Bryson being big it, as an outlier is going to be the reality of this thing. I think he will influence other people in some way, shape or form. Okay, then last question. If Bryson DeChambeau changes golf, if he changes the, the way the PGA Tour acts and looks uh and maybe that trickles down to the amateur game do you think that that is good for the game do you think by and large that that is a like a net benefit for the game of golf um so for bryson absolutely bryson should continue can, should continue doing this i i think he'll get to world number one quite frankly um with, with this I, I i i would be surprised if he didn't win a major i think that he is following the correct path on the tour as it's currently just uh, constructed for the reasons you said it's such a huge advantage to hit it further i think that i'm an optimistic guy by nature and i think that this being a catalyst for for making golf courses on a week in week out basis a little tougher is a good thing frankly i like me a good tough us open and i want yeah i don't think it's in the spirit of the game to hit a driver within an 80 yard gap with rough and fairway being almost indistinguishable i just i think that if this is a catalyst to actually help swing the pendulum back in a direction where it's not all about where we're hitting in the rough rather is a penalty in itself i think would be a good thing um it's a it's obviously an indirect it's it's an indirect what is good for golf but i do think if that happens uh, that would be good for golf long term We'd go from Bryson the Scientist to Bryson the Catalyst. I kind of like how that sounds. I think so too. That's a nice ring to it. All right. Well, thank you to Luke. We can leave it at that, folks. Bryson DeChambeau's solid play continued this weekend, even though he didn't really contend throughout the week. There he was on the weekend, finishing in the top 10 yet again, his sixth straight top 10 on the PGA Tour. So love it or hate it, the results are good right now. Really good. That's it for this week's show. We will see you in one week.